Hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey podcast. We are two Reformed Southern Baptists who desire to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. We are also proud members of the Bar Network, which stands for Biblical and Reformed Network. If you would like to support our growing podcast, you can do so several ways. One, you can leave us a comment and share our podcast on your social media. Two, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And three, you can follow the link in our show notes to find all of the other ways that you can support us and connect with us. For God so loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only Son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. Well, hello and welcome back to the Locust and Honey Podcast. My name is Matt. And I'm Andrew. And today is episode 46. Yes. Join us today. We're going to talk about uh, Advent, preparing our hearts. All right. So today we're going to prepare our hearts for the Advent season. Andrew, Advent is upon us. Yes. What is Advent? Advent is the expectation and the preparation for the coming of Christ. Um, it's what they, um, it's basically taking what the Old Testament Jews, how they looked forward to the coming Messiah. And we as Christians today, we are looking forward. We're practicing in that. We're looking forward to Christ coming um, as a baby at Christmas time when we celebrate that. And then also we're looking forward to him coming again when all things are made new. Yeah. As he came as a baby, looking forward to the return. Yes. Advent means to come, and so we're looking at Christ coming to earth and his return with longing expectation for peace and hope and justice and all of those things, salvation. Um, yeah, cool. I like it. Before we delve, delve, delve. Before we delve off into this topic, let's affirm and deny some stuff. All right. I'm going to, since my affirmation is pretty similar to the topic, I'll start off. Okay. All right. Uh, I affirm Advent. Cool. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, All right. I affirm it. Um, what is, now you have a newly formed family, right? Yes. Cool. Andrew's had big yawns today. <laughs> like, huge. Yeah. Huge. Huge. Yes. All right. Uh, so if you hear that, that's just Andrew. It would sound like this. It would sound like... You need some coffee. What's in that cup? Water. Yeah. Uh, should have coffee. All right. Uh, so you have... Uh, you and Emma have been married for... Nearly two years. Almost two years. Mm-hmm. What is a... A family tradition that you guys do every Advent season? Well, we decorate for Christmas. We do the Christmas tree. 
and we kind of look and see what the Christmas tree is about, why we have like the star at the top of the tree and things like that. There's actually a whole theology of the Christmas tree. Um, But we also, I would say, tradition-wise, we haven't really started any traditions. We just kind of go through scripture. (laughs) Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. The Christmas tree is pretty much it. Other than that, like we decorate and we do all that stuff in expectation for Christmas. But like, and that's like the reason why we decorate and we Uh make sure all of our decorations are like biblically sound and stuff like that. And they actually point to Christ. Yeah. Um, But like, other than that, we haven't formed any traditions yet. Right. We just... I think once kids come... The right. traditions start to get formed a lot yeah. more. A lot of what What's we something do, fun that y'all do, though, every Christmas? Uh, well, we decorate. Decorating night is a big night mm. um, because— We have decorating night tonight. Really? Well, we've, we've already—go ahead. You finish, and then I'll tell you. Okay. So decorating night's a big night because we—I guess that is the one tradition that we've made. We decorate, and we, you know— look at all the decorations we have. We understand kind of what they mean, what mm-hmm. they're there for, why we decorate our house, you know. Um, and then we always do, Emma makes this hot chocolate that's like peppermint hot chocolate and stuff. Mm. This year we didn't have it because we just have regular hot chocolate this year. But oh, usually man. she make like this peppermint hot chocolate in like a, a pot on the stove. Yeah. And um, we'll drink that and we will sit and we have this... <laughs> We pull up this YouTube video. Yeah. We don't have a fireplace. Right. So we pull up this YouTube video that's got like this fireplace and it plays Christmas carols and stuff. Yeah. And so we'll decorate our tree and get all the lights and we'll turn off all the normal lights. So, so we'll just have the the Christmas tree lights and stuff. And we'll just sit there and drink our hot chocolate and listen to the Christmas songs on the YouTube video. There you go. <laughs> so. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I make eggnog. Mm. What do you put in it? <laughs> just, <laughs> just eggnog. Just eggnog. Right. Well, and I, I'll put I'll put ice cream in there and turn it into like a milkshake type deal. But. It's very Southern Baptist of you. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So we do. It's two stages. Um, n- normally, either right after Thanksgiving this year, right before Thanksgiving, I got to go up in the attic and get all the Christmas stuff down, and we do a cleaning out of all of the fall stuff and Mm. then all of the inside Christmas decorations go up then and then tonight we will be doing outside doing Mm. lights on the bushes lights on the front porch uh lights on the Christmas tree hanging all the ornaments and so Tiff will have some good old-fashioned Christmas songs like the, the old school. Sinatra. The old. Bing Crosby. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bing Crosby, Nat King Cole. Mm. Yeah. That's the best version. Nat King Cole version fire. now. That's the best version. Yep. <clears throat> uh, so that'll be, we'll do that tonight. And the boys get fired up about it. So uh, then we have to do the same thing. All the lights are off except for the Christmas stuff and sit there. They'll have hot chocolate that she'll make them. Just sit there and But they got to have like 15 marshmallows in their hot chocolate and they don't mess around. Like the big ones or like the The little ones? The mini ones. Well, the small, regular size ones. Yep. Now, what did y'all do before you had kids? Did y'all do all that or did you? Um, Was it more like kind of what we do? Tiff's always been hyped about Christmas. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But yeah. uh, 
But yeah, so, but my favorite thing that we do is Christmas Eve every year. I make my grandfather's spaghetti recipe. So my grandfather moved to, well, my grandfather's dad moved to California from uh, Sardinia, which is a little island. They might have been in Italy, but we're on my dad's side of the family. We're from Sardinia. It's this tiny little island off of, kind of off of Sicily. And uh, yeah. Man. So, um, but so they're all Italian. And my grandfather every Christmas would make spaghetti and meatballs. And when he passed away, I started making it. And we do that for everybody. We'll go to my mom's. Mm -hmm. Have spaghetti and meatballs. Old recipe. I got to start cooking it the day before. Takes like 12 hours to make the sauce. And then you make the meatballs and put them in the sauce. And big ordeal. But it's fun. So that's probably my favorite. And as my boys have gotten older, they start helping more and more. So Elijah, my oldest, he'll... Help me do all the ingredients in the sauce, and Ezra and Judah will help me make the meatballs so there'll be <laughs> particles of meat all over the, the kitchen. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I enjoy doing that every year. It's been fun, and just passing that down. Because that, that recipe goes back for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that they always did it on Christmas Eve, but they've always, the Caparellis have always done that. So. Man. Yep. Pretty cool. It's good. I've had it before. Which Once. I found out too, our last name. Uh, so the the island of Sardinia is pretty small island. You need to like go there one day. I, I would love to. A lot of people go. They go there for like food and yeah, the beaches and all that. But anyway, um, back in the day, there was two people on the island. Not two people, but two types. Mm-hmm. You had shepherds and you had fishermen. And all of the shepherds had my last name because it translated into shepherd. So, Hmm. yeah, we're a bunch of shepherds. Well, cool. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, anyway, there you go. There's my affirmation. All right. What's yours? So, um, that's kind of cool, too, if you, you know, you being a pastor and everything. Yeah. You're like pastor shepherd. If they called you Pastor Caparelli, that'd be like. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> or, so, yeah. Uh, so, my affirmation is that I finished reading the whole Old Testament the other day. Hey, Tiff's been was, slogging through that. Man, I'm telling you. Tiff's been Look, having a hard time like, in Leviticus. She's really? like, I'm ready for Deuteronomy. <laughs> <laughs> ready for Deuteronomy. Yeah. <laughs> Deuteronomy's got a lot of the same type stuff in it. Yeah, she got through Leviticus and just finished up Numbers, and now she's like, is Deuteronomy better? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, (laughs) no, it does get, it gets, it gets pretty action-packed, though, when you get into, like, Judges, and you get into, you get into Joshua, Mm -hmm. you get anyway, but, um, and then, but I, 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 um, if you look at your Bibles and you go to Matthew, the Old Testament's thick now. Yeah. So it was a big deal for me. It took me like a long time. Yeah. Um, and so I'm trying to get, I'm trying to read the whole Bible. Um, and 
try and um, I'd like to get a lot of the New Testament read by the start of the year so that then next year I can start with a new plan to read the whole Bible again, but I can start it like at the beginning of the year, yeah. you know? Um, <clears throat> so we'll see if I can, I can do that. But, um, it's really cool because the fact that I've never, you know, there are parts of the old Testament that I read a lot, you know, yeah. prior, but there are parts, other parts that I never read at all. what do you think about Ezekiel? <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it, but it was confusing very crazy yeah i had to it took me a long time because i would get done with like two pages and then my brain would just be mush yeah. like right. that was the thing with ezekiel is like it's not that it's just a super hard long book like um, like deuteronomy and leviticus you've got a lot of stuff that you just it's uh, you almost yeah if you're right. not purposefully like right, it can get mundane, right? And you're just kind of reading. Ezekiel's got a lot of good action-packed stuff, but it's just like a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. you know, just the sheer volume of things that you have to work through, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so Ezekiel took a long time. Yeah, the dreams get crazy. I'm yeah, like, wait, okay, <laughs> hold on, <laughs> what? Right. Well, and like he'll be in one place in the same dream, and then he'll say, "Then the Lord took me over here, yeah. and then he took me over there," right. and it's like, <laughs> somebody draw this out for me, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. But um, I liked Isaiah a lot. Isaiah was probably my favorite book of the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, and the Psalms were good, but then I liked. So the there were parts that I didn't even touch at all, like the minor prophets at the end. Right. I've never read any of that. Yeah. And I was thinking the other day about it, and and this will kind of lead into my denial, if I can go yes, ahead and sir. do that. Yeah, the I'll just go ahead and yours. segue into that. But I was thinking about it the other day, and when I came to the church that we're at, you know, I had really shortly after I got here, I had like, I would call it a major... <laughs> theological shift um, where that was where I became more Calvinistic. That was where I became post-millennial and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I would, and that was a process. It was a quick kind of quick process for me because I was already down Wrestling. that road. Um, <clears throat> but it was a process of, you know, I'd hear stuff that like you would talk about or stuff that other people I'd see on YouTube and stuff like that would talk about. And I'd take that to scriptures and I'd be like, wow, you know, that's actually makes a whole lot more sense given what the scripture says here. Right. But I realized that one of the reasons why I never got into the old Testament, I was scared of the, I was scared of it because it was so confusing. Yeah. And so, and the same thing with revelation, I never read revelation before about a year ago. Yeah. You know, because I was afraid to read it because I was afraid I was going to get confused. My mind was just going to get warped. And that actually, it led me to question my own salvation at times before I was, you know, reformed, I would say, mm -hmm. because I would be wondering if like, why can I not get this? Why can I not grasp this? If I'm truly being led by Christ and the Holy Spirit's guiding me, right. why is this so confusing, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I would say my affirmation is that I felt like I could read the Old Testament and not understand everything, but I felt like I could have a good grasp of what was going on. And that was something somewhat new for me right. in those particular passages. So I'm excited to read the New Testament now in light of that. My denial, though, would be 
<clears throat> I think that we sometimes as Christians, and we've had this, we had an interaction like this this week, even on TikTok, we had this video that popped up and we Man. both commented on it. And like, what was interesting Yours to was see, way nicer. Mine comment. was... You're much coming. nicer than yeah. yours. <laughs> Maybe, it was some, much longer. <laughs> some would say too nice. I would say probably too nice looking back. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, especially towards the end. <laughs> um, but I, what was striking to me was to see the amount of people who had no idea what they were, the, the, either side. They, right. no, nobody knew what the heck was going on. Yeah. And it seems like the reason why that happens is because this particular video had to do with cessationism and spiritual gifts and things like that. I think that Christians, and I'm, you know, I would say that prior to a couple of years ago, I was probably guilty of this as well. We say, okay, I understand the gospel. I have a grip of that. So I, I at this, you know, then we just, we let the, okay, I've got the gospel so I can go share the gospel. But the rest of that stuff, I'm just going to let the theologians and scholars worry about. Right. You know what I mean? And the problem with that is that you are actually hindering your own ability to understand God's word and apply it to your own life when when we do that. You yeah. know, like my theology in college, for example, I would say was very strong in certain areas. Um, and, and there are a lot of areas I still hold to the same stuff I held to then. But then there were other areas, particularly dealing with soteriology, right? So Calvinistic stuff and eschatology, so post-millennial stuff and things like that. It was just mush. Mm -hmm. Like I was just kind of going in the wind of doctrine, you know? Right. Um, well, and I think so, a lot of that's because kind of what you're saying, people haven't gotten in the weeds and wrestled with, right. why do I believe what I believe? Right. You know? And so because of that, I could not, I was scared of the Old Testament. I was scared of the right. book of Revelation, things like that. So anyway, that's my affirmation is that. And then my denial is the fact that I think sometimes we as Christians, uh, and I think it stems maybe from the pragmatism that we see in things like the SBC that we've talked about where we're rallying around the Great Commission and not the gospel, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah, I think that's Yeah, that's and I think us. like people need to understand not everybody's called to to be a pastor and be able to shepherd through God's word, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but we are all called to read it. Um, so you might read a passage and not get out of it. You know, say you read a passage and then on Sunday, that same passage, your pastor's preaching through that. Um, God has equipped him and uh, called him to wrestle through that and be able to pull out what that passage is saying. Right. And, 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 take out the the practical application for that you know but we're still called to read it right. on our own throughout the week because the more that we read the bible the more it starts to weave itself together and make sense to us yeah you know um so yeah i would encourage the listener to do what you're doing and just you know read start reading through the bible um mm -hmm. and as you get through parts that are tough but even so like where Tiff's at right now, um, she's, you know, in, she's in the Torah. She's Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy and uh, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. She's been reading stuff. She's like, yeah, what? Yeah, <laughs> this, this is crazy. Um, or just like there's just so many names or there's so many, you know, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. Right. Um, but that's very helpful in other conversations, yeah, you know, knowing 
because you're, you're seeing God's introducing his law and, and God calls his law good and he right. calls his law, you know, a, a blessing to people and even says that other nations are going to see you living under my law and they're going to, they're going to basically, uh, <laughs> I forget the direct passage, but you know, other nations are going to see you living under my law and they're going to be like, man, I wish that we had that. Right. That brings order and yeah. structure and goodness. And, you know, so the law condemns, but the law is that schoolmaster and it's, um, it, it, you know, so anyway, my point in all of that is though, that reading scripture from beginning to end helps us put things in context and in perspective and you start to get a better feel for God's word because if you just if your Christian walk is plucking out a passage of the day mm-hmm. and that's all you ever do, you have a whole bunch of passages out of context and they can mean whatever you want them to mean at that point. But right. the more scripture you read, the more you're forced to put it in the context of how it was written and um and that builds a healthy hermeneutic. Um so yeah, awesome. I I like it. All right, I'm going to deny, I guess I'll stick similar to my affirmation as well. Um, As we are about to get into the Advent season and we're preparing our hearts, I'm going to deny all of the distractions from Advent because there's a lot of them. Uh, So are you denying Santa Claus? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) So uh, here's, I told this to the youth. (laughs) I told this to the youth, man. Um, We were talking about different things. Like, uh, my question, my, my question to them was, um, how do you celebrate Christmas? So they were going through all the different stuff. And so like lights, decorating our house with lights. Like I can, as we're doing that, I'm pouring into my kids, Deuteronomy, the Shema, Mm -hmm. you know, as we're putting up the lights on the tree, as we're putting up the lights on our house, um, you know, Hey boys, the reason we're doing this is because. Christ is the light of the world and he brought light into darkness and we want our house to be a visual display in our neighborhood of Christ and his effect on darkness, you know? Um, and when people see that, they see that as beautiful because light is beautiful. Darkness is not. And, uh, so, you know, we'll do stuff like that. Presents. Uh, we give our kids presents. Our kids know that the presents under the tree come from us and they come from us because we love them and because they're our children. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> but, you know, we tie that in and talk about how Christ was the free gift that was given. You know, uh, for me as a Christian, I did not pay a price for salvation. Christ paid that price, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, mom and dad, because we love you, because you're our kids, uh, we're getting you these gifts that you don't have to pay for, Um not because you've earned them, but because you're our kids and we love you. And so we want to give you a free gift, right. which points to Christ and the free gift. Because my three-year-old, he can't understand the gospel. He can't understand the free gift of Christ that was given. But he can't understand mommy and daddy gave me a present because I'm their kid and he love, and they love me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I told the youth, Santa, he brings no value to the birth of Christ. Mm-hmm. None. He 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 takes away from it. Well, and actually, it's a it's a it's a works based narrative, right? Right. Because well, it if is. You don't. If you earn cold. this, you get this, and if yeah. you don't, you get that. Um, and then have you seen the big hoopla about 
you ever saw Tim Allen's Christmas Santa Claus movie? Mm-hmm. Well, apparently Netflix has redone a a series, Santa Claus series with mm-hmm. Tim Allen in it. And uh, episode four or five, halfway through, they're at the North Pole, and Tim Allen's there, and all the other people, and I guess he's training up a new. I've got I haven't watched it, so I don't know the context. But the way it appeared, he's training up uh, some new Santa. But anyway, uh, all of the elves are doing like a big, like musical for Santa Claus, and they're dancing and stuff. And all the elves come out, which are little, you know, they're little kids dressed up like elves. But they come out and they have a sign that says "We love you," uh, and it says "Satan." Yeah, <laughs> they hold up yeah. their sign, and then he says, uh, "He says, I think you misspelled it." And then they look, and they're like, ah. And then they mm-hmm. go to Santa. And he said, there, you got my name right. Yeah. And I was like, eh, probably <laughs> both the same. <laughs> they're, both, they're both trying to steal the glory of, of Christ. Yeah, you know what true. I mean? Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, my, my, my denial is just the, there's so much that's, that's trying to take away from, Christ. And and it goes back to this, uh, the Reformed under, understanding of Holy Days, right? So we've talked about Easter before. Um, really, the Sabbath day should be Christmas every Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And the Sabbath day should be Easter every Sabbath. Uh, so every Lord's Day, we should be celebrating the birth of Christ, and we should be celebrating the resurrection of Christ, and the atonement that was paid on the cross. Um, so, you know, uh, for for those that only go to church on Easter and Christmas, and those are like their spiritual days of the year, mm-hmm. uh, that's completely unbiblical. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because we should uh, work six days, and the seventh day is the Lord's Day, and we should be celebrating Christmas and Easter in one day, you know? Yeah. Um, but the what I like about the Advent season is it does give opportunity for people that are lost or people that are pagan or people that are whatever. It, it, it gives opportunity to have gospel conversations, you know? Uh, people are doing things that they would not normally be doing and there are... Um, it, it, it's a good time to have conversations with people about the gospel. Right. Um, and so because of that, you know, we have a, a season set apart to honor God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. And, um, and, and so I, I think as Christians, we can, uh, you know, there's some people that are like, well, we shouldn't celebrate holy days and stuff like that. We should just, that's, that's what, Every Sunday should be. So there should be no celebration of any kind of holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not in that camp. I, I think it's it's good to have a time where we can celebrate Christ and all of that. But we need to be doing that and using it as such, not using it as a time to stress out about, you know, stressing out about the present, stressing out about, you know, the season, stressing out about getting this done and that done and got this, you know, people coming over here and there. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I feel like for a lot of people, um, 
Christmas time can be uh, stressful, mm-hmm. yeah, but the whole purpose of it is to celebrate peace that has come, you know? Right. Um, so I think we need to be cognizant of that as believers during this Advent season, during this Christmas season, to realize what we're celebrating and properly be celebrating him and not caught up into all the other stuff. So uh, that leaps us off into Advent, preparing our hearts. Uh, I thought it would be interesting at the start of, and I say start, but, you know, we're already like almost two weeks into December. Yeah. Um, but as as we're getting ready for Christmas, as we're getting ready for Advent season, um, to prepare our hearts. So uh, the, the first question um, that I want us to kind of work through is why do Christians celebrate Christmas? Well... Christians celebrate Christmas because the coming of Christ was a fulfilled promise that ultimately shows God's faithfulness. It shows God's plan for us, his faithfulness to, say, Abraham when he promised him that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. One of the things we're working through in the college group is um, Romans chapter 4, where uh, Paul talks about how Abraham's faithfulness was counted as righteousness, and we share in that. The reason why we share in that is because of the coming of Christ, because right. he was the final atonement for our sin. And so now that promise is guaranteed yeah. because it's not us that has that, that the Lord is counting on to guarantee it. Right. It's the finished work of Christ. Yeah. And so um, that is why we celebrate it is because ultimately it, it you know. Yeah. Well, and I think the passage that I read to start this out with, which is why I read it. Um, but like this is this is why the early church celebrated Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, for God loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And here's the key. Uh, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe in him is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. Light has come into the world, and the people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So the early church celebrated the birth of Christ because um, they believed um, because they saw that the light, they saw the light and they hated darkness. Mm-hmm. They saw where they were at. Uh, if you put yourself in, in the position of, let's say, the shepherds, you know, um, at this point, Israel has been overrun by Roman rule, and uh, Israel has not heard from God in hundreds of years. And all of a sudden, John the Baptist comes on the scene, and he's proclaiming to repent for the Lord draws near. You know, um, and so there's this hope, this glimmer of light, the Messiah, you know, is, is drawing near and And two, if they were, if they took the words of Daniel and the prophecy that he gave, they would have mm -hmm. known that they were in the fourth, the final kingdom that had dominion over them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it just heightens that level. Right. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Anytime now. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so they're anticipating 
um, they're, they're anticipating peace. You know, the Bible talks about shalom and, the, and all of that, but like God is bringing peace to earth. Uh, we always say peace on earth, goodwill to men, but like Christ, Christ is God bringing peace on earth. And, um, and so there's this expectation for that. And the shepherds is a great example because they saw the light Mm -hmm. and they were drawn to the light. So, um, when it talks about here, this is the judgment light has come into the world but the people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Well, who loved darkness rather than light? You know, and right. th- that's the sinners, those that are condemned. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Christ did not come to judge and to condemn the world. He came to save the world. Christ is the salvation of humanity. But it's for who? Everyone who believes in him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so, but so the 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 early church, they celebrated the birth of Christ because they saw the light and they were drawn to the light and they hated the darkness. Um, And so here's where I want to go with this today. Um, As we're preparing our hearts for Advent, uh, there's a question that we need to work through. Uh, And by we, us individually, this has been super convicting to me as I've been kind of thinking through this. But then uh, for anybody that listens to this, or if you want to share this podcast with people this Christmas season, uh, this is a question that we all need to wrestle through um, and work through. But the question is this, um, why do you believe God's word? Why do I believe God's word? Why do you, Andrew, believe God's word? Uh, To those listening, why do we believe God's word? And this goes into what you were saying in your denial. But a lot of people, if they stop and they think about it, it's like if you just paused right now and you work through that question, why do I believe God's word? There's a lot of people that claim to be Christians and their answer is because my parents do mm. or because my pastor does or because my you know, my family has always believed, you know, yeah. why, it, why are you, uh, so we're, we're Baptists. If, if I went into our congregation, which isn't different than most congregations in America, so I'm not specifically singling out ours, but if you go to any average church and you say, why are you a Baptist? Why are you, you know what I mean? A Presbyterian, right. why, you go into the Southern Baptist convention mm-hmm. and you ask the average person, why are you a Baptist? They're going to, you know what I mean? Like they have no clue. This is just, this is a cool church. You know, they got a great kids ministry or this, Mm -hmm. they got really good music or, you know, we like the pastor or we, this or that, you know what I mean? Or this is the church I've grown up in. And this is there. Why do we believe God's word? Mm -hmm. Do we know God's word? Why do we believe it? Um, Or then this was me too, uh, because I don't want to go to hell. You know, right? Uh, so I believe God's word because I don't want to go to hell. Uh, as I grew up, and I've shared my testimony uh, in parts on here before, but I knew in middle school and high school that I did not want to go to hell. I knew that that was not a cool place. <laughs> it was not where I wanted <laughs> it to be. Wasn't chill. <laughs> yeah, but um, but I did not worship Christ as Lord. You know, I was worshiping myself, and um. And so I didn't care if Jesus was in heaven. I just knew I wanted to be there. That's right. idolatry. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so most people, why do you believe God's word? Well, because I don't want to go to hell. Bible says the demons believe 
You know, they believe right. that Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Um, and they tremble, but they don't worship him. You know, they don't have faith in him. And, and so, um, so we, and by we, I mean, those of us who are saved, we believe because we have faith, right? Um, so why do I believe the Bible? And for those of us that are Christians, those of us that have been transformed by the truth of God's word, he's taken hearts of stone. He's given us hearts of flesh. Those of us who have put the blood of Christ on the door, why have we done that? And it's because we have faith, yeah. right? So my definition of faith is and has been um, faith is belief acted on, right? Um, so if faith is belief acted on, then why do I believe God's word? Because I believe it to the point of action, right? Mm. Um, so that drew me to old Hebrews, um, Hebrews 11. And when I was, when I had just become a Christian at the ripe old age of 23, uh, you had to have a life verse because that's what all the people in church were going to ask you, what's your life verse, <laughs> you know? So I was like, well, okay, I got to have a life verse. What's my life verse going to be? And uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 really stuck out to me. Uh, and, and, and so the Lord has really used that passage uh, at multiple times in my life. Um, I'll read that real quick. It just says, Therefore, since we are also surrounded by such a large cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily en ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was laid before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And um, and so then, uh, the this as I mature in my faith, that little passage, that was my quote-unquote life verse. Um, then I started reading. I had a guy, he was like, oh, yeah, I love that verse. Have you read Hebrews 11? I was like, well, no. <laughs> And so then I read Hebrews 11. I was like, wow, that makes Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 so much more meaningful. Right. And then I read the rest of Hebrews 12. And I was like, wow, God is like, God is building and he's shaking everything else. And what he builds is going to remain. Um, and, and, and so like this whole Hebrews, you know, uh, this section of Hebrews, the Lord's really used a lot. But as I was wrestling through this question, of why do I believe God's word? And if belief is faith acted on, um, I, I, I've, I've kind of come to a, a conclusion, but I want to read Hebrews 11 and I want us to look at anytime it talks about faith. I want us to look at that with the understanding that faith is belief acted on. Right. Um, and so I'm going to read it real quick. Uh, it shouldn't take too long, but I think it's going to be pretty important and hopefully impactful for us. So Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by it, our ancestors won God's approval. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from the things that are not visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he speaks through his faith. 
By faith, Enoch was taken away, and so he did not experience death. He was not to be found because God took him away. For before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed, and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out, he went out even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful." Therefore, from one man, in fact, from one as good as dead, came offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky and as innumerable as the grains of sand along the seashore. These all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised, but they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a home. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have had an opportunity to return, but they now desired a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promises, and yet he was off offering his one and only son, the one to whom it has been said, your offspring will be called through Isaac. He considered God to be able even to raise somebody from the dead. Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, and he worshiped leaning on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, as he was nearing the end of his life, mentioned the exodus of the Israelites and gave instruction concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, after he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful and they did not fear the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than, <clears throat> rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. For, the, for he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt, since he was looking ahead to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt behind, not being afraid of the king's anger, for Moses persevered as one who sees him who is invisible. By faith, he instituted the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch the Israelites. By faith, they crossed the Red Sea, as though they were on dry land, when the Egyptians attempted to do this, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after being marched around by the Israelites for seven days. 
By faith, Rahab the prostitute welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who were destroyed. And what more can I say? Time is short for me to tell all about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging fires, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength and weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign enemies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Other people were tortured, not accepting release so that they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mocking and scourging as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the desert and on the mountains, hiding in caves and in holes in the ground. All of these were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised, since God has provided something better for us, so that they would not be made perfect without us. And you go into Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eye on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lays before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so, as I'm looking at these stories and I'm thinking about these people, it's so easy for us to, having seen the whole story, to make less of what was happening. You know what I mean? So, like, for Moses, Moses is a great example. Um, We know the whole story, but initially Moses should have died. Right. But he was saved because his mom and his sister— put him in a basket and floated him down the Nile river. Mm -hmm. And then he ended up at Pharaoh's daughter's house. And, you know, um, but from that point, then Moses Hebrews 11 tells us that, uh, in, in 24 and 25, Moses made a choice as well. And, um, and, and so in Hebrews 11, I'm going to read 24 and 25 again, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, since he was looking ahead to the reward. Um, it's like in Moses, faith produced action. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and he chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of this world. Moses could have had all of the worldly pleasures available to people at that time. You know, he could have had all of the gold and all of the clothes and all of the food and all of the nice things. Uh, but he saw those things as fleeting pleasures. Why? Because he believed what God's word said and he acted on that belief. Right. You know what I mean? And one of the, not an epiphany that I had as I was studying this, but one of the things that really convicted me in this is All people have faith, right? Mm -hmm. If faith is belief acted on, all people are acting on beliefs that they have. The question is, is that faith going to save us or is it going to damn us? Right. You know what I mean? Um, Because it also talked about 
uh, in Hebrews 12, verses 15 through 17, let's look at another type of faith. Um, so Hebrews 12, starting in verse 15, it says this. It says, Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many. And make sure that there isn't any immoral or irreverent persons like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal. For you know that later, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, even though he sought it with tears because he didn't find any opportunity for repentance. And so what happened with Esau is Esau was out hunting and comes back and he's starving and um, Jacob's making this pot of soup, you know, mm. and Esau's like, give me some of that or I'm going to die. And Jacob's like, I'll tell you what, you trade me your birthright, I'll give you a bowl of soup. And Esau's response was, what is the future matter if I die today? You know, yeah. I would rather trade all of the future blessings that God can give me for momentary satisfaction. You know what I mean? And so what was Esau's faith producing? It was producing momentary pleasures and seeking after those things, which kill, still and destroy, mm -hmm. you know? And so uh, he sold his birthright for a single meal. He also acted on his belief. He believed that that meal was more important than anything to come. But what does Hebrews 11 tell us about Moses? The momentary fleeting pleasures of sin were not valuable to him because he was looking to the future and looking to this eternal glory. Right. You know what I mean? And so as I started thinking about that, like all of us have faith and, and James talks about a living faith versus a dead faith. And we even mentioned, James even says there, even the demons believe and they tremble, right? You know, they have faith, but their faith is dead. Why? Because it doesn't produce action. So what is biblical saving faith? What does living faith look like? Why do I believe God's word? Because it's true, but I believe it because God's given me faith. And right. that faith is belief acted on. So as I read God's word, as I see who he is, as I read his commandments, as I read his law, and this goes into what we harp on all the time, but like look at the Great Commission all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples, baptize them, and what? Teach them to obey all I've commanded you. Right. Right? Um, so as I was reading through the Hall of Faith again, all of these people are acting on the idea that what God says is true. You know? So think about David. David's a little kid hanging out in the field, and a lion comes, and David's like, you know what? I'm going to go wrestle this thing with my bare hands and kill it. <laughs> Yeah. Why did he do that? He didn't have to. He could have right. ran away, you know, mm -hmm. but he was, he's acting, um, even there, he's, he's zealous for protecting the sheep, you know? And then later when, when it comes to Goliath, um, David wasn't confident in his strength. He was confident in the Lord that he served, you know? And, um, and, or if you look at Moses, if you look at Abraham, if you look at all these people that are mentioned when it talks about their faith, you know, um, Abraham offering Isaac, that wasn't him being this, oh, I'm just going to kill my son because I'm the zealot for this make-believe God that people say that that was. Like that was Abraham having complete faith and acting on what he believed God to be true. Right. God said, I will bless you and make you a great nation. 
And so if God said that, and he's now telling me to sacrifice my son, then I'm obeying him to the point of action. Mm -hmm. So Isaac, let's go. You know what I mean? Right. And then, well, dad, where are we going? What is going to be the sacrifice? The Lord will provide. I have faith that God is who he says he is and he will do what he said he will do. Right. You know? And so all of these people in Hebrews 11 are looking to Christ. They're looking to the coming of Christ to bring restoration and to bring salvation. Um, But they're acting in a living faith because they're believing God's word to the point that it causes action. Moses even wandering around in the desert, you know, and I mean, when he leaves Egypt and he's just wondering um, before he's even called to, to go deliver the people um, out of Egypt, you know, or Abraham and God saying, leave your family, leave everything you have and go to a place that I will show you. Uh, He didn't have to do that. We look at it now seeing the end of the story, but if we put it in our life and the story that we're in, we can't see the future. Mm -hmm. The whole book for us hasn't been written yet from what we can see. Right. And so we're acting on faith, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay, God's called me to this. Uh, I feel like this is going to glorify him. That's what they were doing. They were acting in faith. Okay, God said, leave my family and all of my security and go somewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm, here I go. Right. Where, where am I going, God? I don't know, but I'm trusting you and I'm acting on it. Right. That's what the church needs today. Mm-hmm. We need a living faith that produces work. It produces action. It produces making and creating and building and moving and us going, not knowing what we're doing fully, but we're willing to follow Christ wherever he calls us because he's called us to go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, uh, I thought that was very interesting though, but more people today look more like, um, you know, the, the part in, in Hebrews 12, 15 through 17, uh, where Esau traded everything that he had for a meal, for a momentary fix of, pleasure, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and so that's, that's kind of what I wanted to just talk about is as we're preparing our hearts for Advent, we have to get rid of all of those momentary desires for pleasure. And that's why Hebrews 12, one and two is such a powerful call in light of all of this in Hebrews 11. Therefore, because we've been surrounded by such great a cloud of witnesses, there's all these people that we can stand on their shoulders. There's all of these people that have been living a life of faith. They've been making decisions and they've been acting based on God's word being true and look at how he's blessed them along the way, mm-hmm. you know, because much, of that. How much more is that true today? Right. You know, and yeah. And so we even have more than they had. We have the early church. We've got, you know, the church from, from Hebrews, when this is written, we've got from them to now Mm -hmm. to say even more so how much more, um, you know, how, how such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, what's the call then? Let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us keeping our eye on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And I think that's the key. Jesus is the creator and the completer of our faith. And that faith is what produces the action. So why do I believe God's word? Because he's given me faith to believe. Right. You know, Um, 
go back to tie this all all back in nicely to John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only forgotten only begotten son that whosoever believeth should not perish but have everlasting life. Who believes? Whoever believes. Yeah. Whoever believes. Right. But how do we know that they believe? The next pat the next the ones who aren't condemned. <laughs> right, well, yeah, yeah. Those that love the light rather right. than the darkness. Yeah. You know? Um, who's condemned? The ones that are condemned are those that love the darkness. Right. You know? And so um as we're preparing our hearts, that's the call. The call is Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Um, because we're so surrounded by these people, um, but we're only surrounded by them because of the gift of grace, right. you know, the gift of faith. And as we're given that, then then our call is to lay aside the weights and run this race of endurance that Christ has prepared us for and, and he's comp- he's created and he's completing our faith. You know, he's mm-hmm. given us the ability to run. So what we need to do is get all of the extra entanglements gone. Right. You know, so I think that's the call for Christians during this Advent season is that's how we prepare our hearts. Yeah. You know, and we need that living faith that acts according to what God's word says to be true, as opposed to the dead faith that acts for the fleeting momentary pleasures of this world. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that are living for that. Right. You know, but that should not be the church. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on all this, man? No, yeah. Spit a bunch at you. That's good. This reminds me of a a couple of stories. One is, I think I was uh, 17 or so. I believe I was a senior in high school. It was a guy who, who asked me, you know, why do you believe in the Bible? And for a long time, my response to him, I looked back and I, I wished that I had it back. Mm-hmm. But now that I look back on it, you know, or as I, I guess as I've grown to understand some of these things, as I look back on it, I don't mind my response quite as much. What I said was, well, because God has shown it to me. <laughs> you know? Right. Because God has revealed that to me. You know, God has revealed that it's true. I mean, that's it. You right. know, and he was like, well, okay. What else? I said, and then this was the part that I, I always hated that I said, but now I, I, I don't quite as much. I said, well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I was like, I was like, I, I don't know, you know? Right. And he was like, well, see, you know, <laughs> I was like, okay. But then, you know, and, and, and for a while I was like, man, I should have come back. I should have said, you know, well, you know, because this, that, and the other. The historical. You know, all these, the horse, yeah, the right. stuff. But really, though. All the logos right. says this. Right. But really, though, what else, what other answer would I have? You right. know, I wouldn't have another answer. That is the only answer. And that, if I had to do it again, that's what I would say. If he said, yeah. you know, what else? I said, there is nothing else. That is the only, that is the answer, you know. Um, and, and so, but the other thing, too, that jumps out to me is kind of like what we were talking about before is we have to realize that God's word applies to everything. Yeah. You know, it applies to how we celebrate Christmas. It applies to our attitude about going over to people's houses and people coming over to our houses. It applies to, you know, obviously how we raise our kids. But then you you look into the micro of that. It applies to how we discipline our kids. It applies to how we catechize our kids. It applies to how we lead as husbands. It applies to how you know, in the mundane world of living, how husbands are to act, how wives are to act. It, 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 
talks about how we are to view our vocation. It talks about, I mean, every single aspect of life, God's word speaks to. Maybe not directly, yeah, but it gives you you with wisdom apply that. That was something yeah. that I heard from a podcast today, right? Uh-huh. You with wisdom guided by the Holy Spirit, apply what's in Scripture to literally everything, right? Yeah. Dating's not in Scripture. Dating wasn't a thing. <laughs> but you can still take the right. God's Word and with wisdom apply it to that. I think that's also where we've got to come to is where we've got to realize that, you know— So you use the general equity right. of God's Word. Mm-hmm. And we've got to realize to that, of life. you know— um, God's word should change how we live our lives. And like what we were reading in Hebrews, you know, we fix our eyes on Christ. And if we are doing that and we have faith that produces action, then God's word is going to dictate what that action looks like, you know? And so therefore we need to know his word, you know? Yeah. So it all kind of runs in a circle. That was kind of one thing that, well, like, that was Even just like me, breaking you know? down certain parts of Hebrews 11. So like take Rahab, right? Mm-hmm. She's in this great city protected by this massive wall that right. nobody's been able to penetrate. And here comes this new little army that's saying, hey, <laughs> we're little. Yeah. But I found the spies and they're saying, if you let us go, we'll protect you. You know what I mean? Right. Like most people would be like, all right, I'm turning you in. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, but but she believed and acted on that and and was saved because of that. And mm-hmm. she's now in the hall of faith who and in that culture, in that society, where she was at that point, she's a prostitute in this heathen nation, you know. Right. Um, but she she came in contact with God's people and and believed and was saved, mm-hmm. you know? And then her and her family were, were, were saved. Right. And, um, but, like, if you look at all of these different stories and just put yourself in the place of those people in that time, Noah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I mean, truth, like, if, if and, and I love what it talks about when it talks about Noah— because he says, you know, um, where's Noah's part? Uh, by faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear, he built an ark to deliver his family. So like Noah, it's like, hey, Noah, this thing that you've not experienced before is about to happen. And it's going to, that reminds me of Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like as I read Pilgrim's Progress, it's like, Hey, uh, the evangelist gave me this thing that tells me about the celestial city and this king, and I am now made aware that I'm living in a city of destruction, mm-hmm. and destruction is coming. Um, and 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 motivated by a, a righteous, holy fear of judgment from God, Noah builds this ark, and it yeah. takes him forever. You know, um, but then in doing that, what does it say? By faith, he condemned the world and because an heir of the righteousness or sorry, and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Like what was the faith that Noah had? The faith was that he built the ark, right? You know, he believed what God said. So it produced action and that action was the ark 
that saved his family and condemned the whole rest of the world. Yeah. Because what was the rest of the world doing while he was acting in faith? They're like, bro, that's stupid. Yeah. You're building a what? A boat. Well, something else. <laughs> There's man, no, didn't it take we're not like a hundred years to build the ark? Well, it took a long time. I mean, yeah, I don't years know and years specifically, but it, it took a long time. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so that's a lot of effort. That's a lot of manpower. That's a lot of, you know, all of that stuff. And the whole time that he did it, he's being mocked by everybody. Right. Like that is crazy. <laughs> you know crazy I mean? Noah in his yeah. boat. <laughs> like, yeah. Literally that's, that's yeah. crazy. Right. Um, but then as soon as the rain started to fall, they all came rushing, wanting in, mm-hmm. but God had sealed the doors. Right. You know? And, uh, and so, but like, just if you go through any of these people, you know, um, they're, they're acting in faith, but what does that mean? God told them something and they believed him. So they acted. Mm-hmm. How many times a day do we not act on the things that God tells us, or are we willing to act? You know, yeah. if, if, and, and so for me, like, that's always been how I try to live my life is whatever I, the Lord is calling me to, I'm going to do, mm-hmm. you know, Lord, if you open this door, I'm walking through it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, that, that, but how many people are saying, God, I want to follow you, but I'm not, I'm not going to quit my job. You know, here's a prime example. Um, we live in a place where the primary jobs in our community are a, a military base, mm-hmm. the public school system, and the the um, medical field. Um, and the Frito Frito Lay plant too. Yeah, but that number wise, yeah. I would say eighty percent of the families in our area yeah. get paid from the military base, the medical field, and the public school system. Mm -hmm. So in all of those places, if they're unapologetically evangelistic, they could get in trouble. Oh, yeah. Right? So how many people, though, are not sharing what they believe God's word to be true for fear of an income? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, ultimately, as Christians— our our employer is not the one that's providing for our families. Christ is, mm-hmm. you know? And so when I look at these people like Moses, like Abraham, like all of that, what I see when I hear the word faith is I see action into the unknown, even though that does not make the most sense from a worldly perspective. Right. Why would you risk getting fired for sharing the gospel with somebody at your workplace? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or why would you risk uh, saying this to that person when you know that you could get fired for that? Well, because just like Moses, I'm looking to the the greater reward in the long run than the temporary satisfaction right now of having a consistent paycheck. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm not saying everybody go out and get fired from their jobs, but what I am saying is when I look at the hall of faith, I see a bunch of belief acted on and I'm not seeing as much of that in the American churches today. Yeah. So the question is how many of us have the faith of Moses versus the faith of Esau? Because mm-hmm. one of those faiths saves, the other is a condemnation. Right. And then I think it's very appropriate how it ends that with Esau because it says, um, for you know that later, 
when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, even though he sought it with tears because he did not find any opportunity for repentance. You know, like how many people, when they stand before the Lord, are going to say, God, I want to get into heaven. Matthew 6, how many on that day will say, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things in your name? Matthew 7, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Mm -hmm. That's where Esau was, you know. Um, Esau chose pleasure of the world and acting on that more than he chose following Christ and acting on that. And, uh, and, and, and his heart was hardened, Yeah, you know? So, uh, we need to prepare our hearts. That's right. Anything else you want to add? No, I think that was good. Well, good. Yeah. Sorry. I had a sniffle. <laughs> Everyone got an earful of that one. Well, if you were still here, we appreciate you. Um, we love you guys. Hope you have a wonderful Advent season. We will see you next week. And... Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we will. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Adios. <laughs>